I swear you'll spend more time hating on the internet than you do at an actual job. Get a hobby or something. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, a few days worth of summer league action to recap, a few free agent signings across the weekend as well. Go and check out my pod from Friday where I did speak about the Isaiah Thomas to the Nuggets situation plus the Denver-Atlanta-Brooklyn three-team trading. Go find that out. Uh, I did that uh, just as it happened. But a few other signings have happened over the weekend as well. So, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. All right, the other thing that has happened is I have sent out invites for the Red Rock Challenge uh, leagues, formerly known as the Red Rock Listener Leagues. Nearly all of the head-to-head leagues have filled up already. I've sent out invites for the Roto Leagues as well. Haven't done the points leagues yet. That will come. But as I said the other day, there have been so many people apply for the head-to-head leagues. I will likely do a Tier 2 of the Red Rock Challenge leagues and send those emails out. I think what we might do with those ones is make them all as free leagues, so to speak, so no prize money, but maybe have some sort of uh, charity donation portion there, whether it's a yeah, $5 charity donation, $10 charity donation fit to enter those leagues. And the finalists in those leagues will get spots in the Red Rock Challenge for next season with a chance to get through to the Champions League. So that's probably the way we will do that, but more information will come out and we'll come out to those uh, guys who have applied uh, for a position in the Red Rock Challenge leagues. You'll get emails about finding a way into those uh, Tier 2 leagues uh, with the, uh, the, to the top two teams in those leagues finding a spot in the Red Rock Challenge for the season below. So we're talking about Champions League, Red Rock Challenge, and then Tier 2 below that. That's how far these leagues are expanding. But there are still spots in the Roto Leagues, and the Points League email will be going out soon as well. So make sure you are checking your email for all the details on those Red Rock Challenge leagues. Let's talk about some of the moves that did happen across the weekend now. And the first one of those I want to talk about is Jabari Parker joining the Chicago Bulls. The Milwaukee Bucks had no intention of keeping Jabari, so they did him a solid by uh, renouncing his qualifying offer um, and making him an unrestricted free agent. That allowed the Bulls to sign him to what was a, a, a team-friendly deal, I guess you could say, would be the best way of phrasing that. Now, if the Bucks hadn't have rescinded his qualifying offer, the Bulls couldn't have offered the deal that they did, which was two years, $40 million, with the second year being a team option. If you're offering an offer sheet to a player, it has to be two years, not including a team option. So the Bulls would have had to go on for two years flat at $40 million. But because the Bucks had no interest in matching, they did him a favor, his agent a favor, by making him unrestricted so the Bulls could offer that deal. Now, of course, nobody can make the argument that Jabari Parker is worth $20 million a year. He just isn't. He's coming off two ACL injuries. He sucks at defense. He has shown some offensive explosion at times. And he's a much better three-point shooter now than what he was. 
His first two years in the NBA, he was at 25 and 26% from three, and then went to 37. And then last season, yes, in only 31 games, he shot 38% from three. But he's still overall an inefficient shooter, a true shooting of 55%, 56% the year before. But there is ACL concerns in there also. And that year, uh, 16-17, before he did uh, t- tear that ACL, he was averaging 20 points with six rebounds. He's never going to be a blocks guy at all. He's never going to be a high steals or high assists player. But he's shown an ability, and he was the 50th ranked player in that season, playing 34 minutes per game. But now we get to the Bulls, and they're going to play him out of position. They're going to play him at small forward with Larry Markinen at the four, and Robin Lopez, Wendell Carter at the five. And Parker's defense sucks. It's really, really bad, especially when you play him at the three. It's not good at all. He's also a fairly high usage player. 24% usage last season, 26% the year before, and putting him alongside Zach Levine, another high usage guy, and the guy who should probably be getting the majority of that usage, Larry Markinen. How is that going to impact a guy like Larry? Now, Larry Markinen, in his first season for the Bulls, he put up a uh, a usage of, I just got the number here, 22%. Is there a chance that could go down alongside Parker and Levine for a full season? I think that's a legitimate concern there for him, and maybe that puts uh, an element of, you guys always take that step forward, gen- sorry, not always, generally take that step forward from their first to second season. Will Markkinen perhaps be uh, curtailed by playing alongside a full year of Levine and Jabari Parker taking some of those shots away? He's not a high steals guy. He's not a high blocks guy. This is Markkinen I'm talking about now. So his value was coming from the fact that he was scoring at a pretty decent clip, 15 points and getting seven and a half rebounds and hitting two threes per game. But if he goes and sees that usage dip from 20 to 21% to 20% or 19%, which is, seems unlikely, but it's possible, it will he go to, instead of taking the step from 15 points per game up to 18 points per game, because he plays a couple of extra minutes, maybe he stays at 15. Maybe he plays 32 minutes a night instead of 30, but stays at 15. Maybe he instead of going from two threes made per game, he doesn't go to 2.5, he stays at that level. Does his efficiency rise? Well, that's a possibility as well. But these other guys, like a full year of Levine and Jabari Parker, it could take the ball out of Markkinen's hands. Back to Jabari, I don't think that he's achieving that top 50 finish that he had in 16-17. A, he's not playing 34 minutes a night. B, he won't score 20 points per game. And C, I don't think he's going to be a 49% shooter from the field. Although he was at 48 last season, so maybe he could do that. Also, that the big difference from Jabari coming back from the first ACL versus the second ACL is his free throw attempts went from 4.5 per 36 down last season to 2.6. And that's a big, big drop, and that does take away a chunk of his value. He's still probably going to be a worthwhile standard league guy, but I don't think he's going to be approaching that top 50 level. His lack of assists, steals, blocks, and as, as a general subpar rebounder as well, leaves an element there of, of you wanting more from Jabari, and I just have my concerns. For the Bulls overall, you know, investing $40 million this season in Levine and Parker, and if Parker plays well, you know, doing it again next season, I'm not sure that's a great spend of you know, 40 38% of your salary cap. These guys could work into that role. I just think there is absolutely zero scenario where Parker is worth $20 million this season or next season, 
And I, I think the same for Levine. So it's weird investing 120 million, potentially 120 million dollars in Levine and uh, and Parker, who have three ACL tears between them and play exactly zero defense between them as well. It's an odd fit. You're playing Parker out of position. You're going to have to pay Bobby Portis potentially at some point. Um, so I, I don't really like it from a Bulls perspective. But the contract they got Jabari on was really solid. Shout out to Jabari for making that money as well, getting that $20 million. Every player should get as much money as possible at every opportunity. I'm fully on board with that. You heard me talking about the Nuggets trade, and I'm not for ownership being tight asses and skimping on money and tax. I think that's bullshit. Players get as much as you possibly want, or as much as you can at all all points, but I've got to look at it from a, a perspective of is this a a decent enough deal and is Jabari worth his money? No. But congratulations for him to get for getting this money and the structure of the deal is a positive. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out on the court and I don't think that Jabari is necessarily going to be returning to his peak in terms of his fantasy value. But it is going to make things really interesting in Chicago to see how it all pans out uh, with him on the court alongside their other guys, Zach and, and Lowry and, and Wendell and uh, and Chrissy, Chrissy, Chrissy Dunn. Um, Let's talk about the other move, one of the other moves that happened across the weekend, and that was Shabazz Napier, who goes from the Portland Trailblazers. He was also a restricted free agent. They rescinded his qualifying offer. Not really sure why, though. They did bring in Seth Curry, which is a decent enough move. Um, Napier moves uh, across to the, the Brooklyn Nets, and he slots in there as probably the third point guard. But I just did the, I just recorded Locked On NBA and was speaking with, um, with Josh from Locked On Nets and talking about the fact that D'Angelo Russell is the starting point guard. He is convinced that Spencer Dinwiddie will be the backup point guard this season. But bringing Napier in, given how, uh, appealing, uh, Dinwiddie's contract is, I think there's a legitimate chance that Spencer Dinwiddie is traded at some point this season. Um, and they have that insurance with Napier and Karis Levert who can play as that backup point guard. And they might be able to acquire significant assets for Dinwiddie on that sort of a deal. So that's something to pay attention to. Now, as for Shabazz, he was the 198th ranked player last season in 21 minutes per game. With the way the Nets currently set up, I think him getting to that level is probably unrealistic. Russell, Dinwiddie, Napier, that's three point guards. Levert can handle the ball there as well. I don't think he's getting 21 minutes a night. Sure, if Dinwiddie goes down, if get or he gets traded, or D'Angelo Russell gets hurt. There's a chance for, for Napier to do that. He was a guy who was giving you steals and threes in really consistent numbers when he had that opportunity when uh, Damian Lillard went down last season. But I just, for as bad as the Nets have been, they've got a lot of solid players. And he's not waltzing into a significant role here and probably is going to play fewer minutes this season than what he did last year. Of course, that Dinwiddie trade, which is nagging in my head, I think something might happen at some point, would open up some extra playing time for Shabazz. But if those of you who have Dinwiddie in dynasty formats or keeper leagues, I would expect a significant downturn in his production this season. And I also expect a trade from him. For as much as advanced numbers do look at his season last year as more uh, as as more impactful and more positive than what D'Angelo Russell's were, was, I think that the, what we saw at the end of last season with Russell taking the starting job and Dinwiddie moving into lower minutes is probably something we're going to see this season. And now Napier comes in as well as a third stringer on a two-year deal. Uh, yeah, I just do think that Spencer may be on the move at some point. Nothing concrete there, just a feeling that I get. So I'd be 
I'd be exploring if I had uh, Dinwiddie in a dynasty league because there are people who are going to say, Spencer, man, he's going to be top 70. He's going to be playing 32 a night. Some people do believe that. I personally don't. Some people do, and you might be able to get something back for him that you know, when we hit to November and, and he's playing 23 minutes a night and still shooting poorly, that his value is outside the top 150. So that's something to pay attention to. That's an inkling I've got. It's far from a guarantee that that's going to happen. That's just the way that I see things playing out with the Brooklyn Nets as they're currently constructed. The other move that happened over the weekend, Channing Fry rejoined the Cleveland Cavaliers. Of course, he was on the Cavs to start last season, was traded to the LA Lakers in that Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance deal that enabled LeBron James to sign with the LA Lakers, and now Fry goes back to Cleveland. At this point, he'll move into that backup role, probably behind Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, although Ante Zizic, I hope they give him some minutes there. Jeff Green is gone as well, so maybe we'll see more Fry at the four rather than the five. He's always just going to be that streaming type option for threes. Back in the 16-17 season where he played 19 minutes per game, Fry hit two triples per game at 41% and was almost a top 150 player. I don't think that's a realistic scenario to expect him to be that high, but just watch him as a guy if they find him as in a 19-20 minute role. Again, unlikely, but if Kevin Love goes, anything can happen with here, here with Cleveland. His ability to hit threes and, and do them efficiently and hit free throws at a really high rate, 90% free throw shooter last season. Yeah, on 0.4 attempts, but 90% is still good. That's um, that's worth paying attention to, to just for his ability to hit those three-point shots. That's all that's really happened in uh, NBA free agency over the last couple of days. So let's talk about some of the action from Las Vegas Summer League um, over these last couple of days. We'll look at Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's action as the tournament winds down. I'm going to have some interesting shows coming up as well in the next couple of days with Jacob Goldstein looking at things from an analytical statistical model point of view from the play in Summer League. We're going to be looking from Jackson Hoy from a scouting point of view at Summer League, and Cole McEwen's going to be coming on and talking Summer League and free agency and trades, all of that from a fantasy point of view. So some different perspectives through the week on how all of uh, all of what's happened over the past uh, 10 days has uh, has potentially changed things in the uh, in the NBA landscape. So a few different thoughts on all of that will be uh, will be going down in uh, the rest of this week's episodes. Let's start by looking at some of these performances across Summer League over the last couple of days. We'll start with the Miami Heat and the Pelicans from Thursday. A lot of the Heat's guys have uh, have gone away. Uh, Jared Jones had a big game. Not sure if you've heard of him. You probably haven't. He had 31 points with eight rebounds, four triples, two steals, and a block. But this Heat team has so much depth that I don't think he's going to be playing too much of a part. The guy we look at is Duncan Robinson, who had another decent game, 11-4-3. While Derek Walton had 15 points, 11 assists, and three steals. They did rescind his qualifying offer, so he is unlikely to be back on this team as we move forward. My man, Czech Diallo from the Pelicans, 28 and 13 with a steal and a block, 10 attempts at the free throw line, hit all 10 of them. Yes, he's behind Nikola Mirotic, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis, but he should be the fourth big. I still have faith in Diallo. I think it might take him moving on to another team in a different role for, to fulfill his potential, or maybe it requires, maybe if Anthony Davis gets traded at some point, who knows if that seems like a pipe dream in terms of other teams wanting to get their hands on Davis. Shout out to Boston Celtics fans and Chicago Bulls fans who think they're going to be getting him. But Diallo does have this ability and he has really shown out here. I've been impressed with 
Trayvon Blewett, who got a two-way deal, 10 points and only three assists in this game. So it wasn't his greatest performance, but he's been very strong through Summer League. He's a deep league dynasty guy to pay attention to, as is Walt Lemon, one of the names of the NBA. 18, 5, and 6 for him. I haven't been impressed at all by Tony Carr, really. So he's not a guy that I imagine is going to be long for the NBA. That's my opinion. That could change, but he has been far from impressive so far. i tell you who has been impressive, though, if we look at the New York Knicks, and that's Mitchell Robinson. 17 and 12 against the Celtics. Three steals and six blocks. I think he starts at center at some point this season. I think he's got Clint Capella-type uh, upside for fantasy. Top 50 type of guy potentially at some point in the next three seasons, bang him really, really hard in Dynasty Leagues. I'm probably going to redo my Dynasty rookie ranks. I think he's got top 20 potential. Him and DeAnthony Melton as second-round guys should comfortably, I think, be top 20 guys. He was excellent, as was Alonzo Triart, 17-4-4, and the fort, Kevin Knox. This is this is more of the, the performance from Knox we'd expect. 15-4-3, no steals, no blocks, and shit efficiency. His efficiency was terrible in Summer League. Um, I, th- I think he's going to start and he's going to be worth a pickup, but I do think some of the New York uh, exaggeration on what Knox has been doing is going to skew people. And I think they're going to see some people t- start looking at him at pick seven or pick six in dynasty rookie drafts, and that's nonsense to me. The low steal rate, low assist rate, low block rate, low efficiency is still a concern. And while some of the numbers have looked great, he's been doing on a 33% usage in summer league, sort of performances which I don't think uh necessarily uh you know, carry throughable as we look to what he does in the um in the regular season. They're probably the big performances there from the Knicks. On the Celtic side of things, Shemi Ojale had twenty one and six with four triples. Solid enough, but with the return of Gordon Hayward, I think that Ojale is unlikely to be a part of the rotation for the Celtics this season season. Gershon Yabesele also had twelve and five with two blocks and he'll likely see a lot of time with Maine this year rather than up on that main roster, while Jabari Bird had 13, 10, and 4. Uh, they did cut Kadeem Allen today, the Celtics, so Bird has a chance of sticking around, but I thought his uh, summer league so far has been very impressive, Jabari Bird. A couple other performances, Memphis and Oklahoma City, Javon Carter, 19, 8, and 8. Had looked, he struggled early on, but has looked much more comfortable recently. I think he can easily slip into the backup point guard role behind Mike Conley at some point. They'll probably give it to Andy Harrison early on this season, but Javon Carter, with his ability to generate assists and steals, is a three-year-plus prospect for Dynasty League, someone to pay attention to. My man, Jaron Jackson, 16-6, and six, one steal, three blocks. If I had picked two in a Dynasty League, that is who I would take. Um, I would have Doncic at one and Jaron Jackson at two, and nothing in Summer League has made me change that opinion. He has looked excellent through most of these games. Um, not much else really happening. Ivan Rabs struggled here. Uh, a guy by the name of Markel Crawford scored 21 points. Nothing to really see there. It came on 80% shooting. Well, Deontay Davis had three blocks for the Grizz. On to the Thunder uh, MC Hamadou Diallo had 14 points in 22 minutes. He's been more impressive in Summer League than I expected. Still not going to be a uh, a guy that prov- provides much value this year or really much into the future. But with Terence Ferguson being honestly shit house through most of this uh, most of this tournament, Diallo has an opportunity at some point, and he is a Kentucky guy, and we know what we do with Kentucky guys, and that's give them the benefit of the doubt. Daniel Hamilton also had 11 rebounds and eight assists in this game against the Grizzlies, a guy that played a little bit last season for the Thunder, but nothing too exciting from him. 
On the Philadelphia Phoenix game now, the Sixers got the win. Furkan Korkmaz dropped in 18 points with three triples, a steal, and a block. Finding minutes for him is going to be hard for the Sixers this season, but he's showing enough that we get a little bit of excitement there. With uh, or Sixers should think this is a decent amount of depth for us. DRC Zaire Smith didn't do a huge amount. He's going to be a few years away from being a solid contributor, but I do love his dynasty upside. And if you're in that back half of the teens, in that 15 to 20 zone, I would be really interested in him because his superstar potential is higher than a lot of guys who are in that zone. Jonah Bolden is bringing the defensive stuff, but hasn't been as impressive as what he was last season in uh, in summer league. I still do believe in him as an NBA rotational type player. On the Sun, Shaq Harrison has been great for Phoenix. 17, 8, and 6 against the Sixers, three steals. He should be making the opening night roster. Brandon Knight is probably going to be the starting point guard, but Shaq Harrison should be the backup. And with the way that he plays defensively, the plus-minus on-off stuff he had last year was really impressive. All his advanced stats are super positive. I've loved what we've seen from Shaq Harrison, especially here in Summer League. And if he was a starter at point guard at some point next to Devin Booker, I don't think you'd be disappointed. His ability to get steals... Generate assist. The shot, yeah, it's not there. He's not a good shooter. We know that. But his ability to generate steals and be a positive contributor means I think he's going to get minutes. So he's someone to watch. DeAndre Dayton, not Dayton, DeAndre Ayton, 10 and 9, 3 steals and a block in 30 minutes. It's harder for big men in summer league because the point guard play is obviously not great and playing with better players should help him. I still am not overly, um, I guess underwhelmed is maybe the best way I can describe that. I'd be even, look, I've got pick three in an upcoming dynasty draft, and I know that uh, Doncic and Jackson are going to be off the board. So then I'm left with pick three. Do I take Aiden? Do I take the Block Panther, Wendell Carter, who's clearly outperformed Aiden, I believe, in Summer League? I just don't know, you know what to make of this. He had three steals and a block, so those defensive numbers are nice. The way that he's hitting his free throws are, are impressive as well. But is he Nikola Pekovic, a points, rebounds, percentage guy? Is he, is it Ennis Cantor? You know, where does DeAndre Aiden sit? I don't see massive, massive superstar upside with him, but I think he can he can be a top 100 guy this season. He's going to get minutes, and I think he's going to get better as the season goes on, but if those defensive numbers never come around, then there's there's a concern there. And Davon Reed's been impressive, 16, 5, and 4. Hopefully, he gets a roster spot, while McCall Bridges, only 7 points, but the defensive stuff, 4 steals and 2 blocks. I think it's going to be hard for him to be a standard league guy this season. I do think he's got a nice top 100 upside as we move forward for the next couple of seasons, especially when the Suns look to move on from someone like uh, TJ Warren, who plays at a similar position, or not a similar position, the exact same position. No Josh Jackson in this game for the Phoenix Suns either. Let's uh, have a look at the next bunch of games. The Spurs took on the Bucks. Jerron Blossom game had 19-4, and four, while Amita Bremer had uh, six blocks, a decent performance from... Uh, from Bremer. Their Blossom games, I think, a player who can find himself on the Spurs roster, at least as a two-way guy this year. So someone to watch. While Olivier Hanlon was a second-round pick of the Jazz a few years ago, someone who I thought had a bit of upside. He had 18 points in this game, but really not a lot to get excited about with this Spurs team. And on the Bucks, my man Christian Wood killed it again. 26 and 15 with a block, two triples. Of course, the Bucks have lost Jabari Parker. I didn't really talk about that earlier on. In terms of what it means for the Bucks, I think it just means that Ersan Ilyasova takes all of Jabari Parker's minutes. That's a, an easy switch out there for uh, for the Bucks. There, as for Wood, I don't think he gets a spot in Milwaukee, but he should be finding a spot on an NBA team. And he has absolutely dominated this summer league. 
putting up huge numbers. So someone to really, really watch to see where he lands. It was also a positive to see DJ Wilson put up 19 and 10 after struggling early and Sterling Brown had 7, 13, 7 and 3 with 3 steals. I think it's a sneaky chance that Sterling Brown is a starter for this team over Tony Snell, unless they go with Malcolm Brogdon in that spot. But look for Brown to have a significant rotation role this season, and I do like him as we move long-term for the Bucks. Dante DiVincenzo debuted in this game. He went scoreless. Yeah, um, not, not much has changed about my opinion in him. I had him outside the top 40 in Dynasty rookie ranks, and he still would remain there if we were redoing them at this point. The Clippers and the Lakers, Cinderius Thornwell had 17, 4, and 2, a steal and 2 blocks, but with the amount of guards the Clippers had, he's just have, he's just not going to be an impactful guy. They have, uh, fully guaranteed Milos Teodosic's $6 million deal for this season, so that's another guy there. Shea Gilgis Alexander's been fantastic, didn't play in this game. So Thornwell could find himself, uh, on the outs for this Clippers team. On the Lakers, Josh Hart continued to dominate. He actually had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. 20 points, six rebounds, two steals, two blocks, and two triples. Is he better than Contavious Caldwell Pope? Up in the air. Will he start over Contavious Caldwell Pope? Probably not, but the upside is there. If he gets 30 minutes a night, he's probably a top 100 player. Sviatoslav Mikhailuk had 15 points with four assists. Yeah, he's not Clay Thompson. Uh, that's what people keep saying about him. Where he finds a spot in the rotation, I don't know. Is it over? Lonzo, Rondo, KCP. Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma. You know, where's he fitting in in this rotation? Lance Stevenson. Yeah, it should be over Lance, but I don't know if it necessarily will be. Um, but he, he's shown enough in summer league to think the Lakers had success with another second round pick. So congratulations to them for, uh, for nailing another one of those later type picks. Let's look at the next side of things, the Utah Jazz and the Orlando Magic. Diamond Stone, who was a guy that I was surprised a couple of years ago, fell out of the first round and then you know, just disappeared from the NBA. He had 14 and 11 with two blocks, had some uh, uh, attitudinal off-court issues that probably contributed to him being traded from the Hawks to the Bulls and then waived, but someone to pay some attention to. Well, George Niang did sign a three-year deal with the with the Jazz, had 12 and 11 and has been very, very strong and someone that if the opportunity ever arises, say it's a Joe Ingles injury or Derek Favors goes down, Nyang is a guy who can contribute in multiple multiple categories, but of course it's more of a deeper league guy. They also had Jairus Lyles in this game who has signed a contract with the Jazz as well. He had five and four and a triple one in only 16 minutes. So that's something to uh, to look at there. On the, the Magic, no John Isaac, no Mo Bumba. One, two, three, four, five. But my man Troy Copain, who uh, has signed a two-way deal, 14-8-5. The Magic need guard play. Jaron Grant, DJ August, and Evan Fournier. These aren't great players. You know, of course, I like Fournier. But in Copain, if there's an opportunity there, he is someone to really pay some attention to. Melvin Frazier is going to bring the steals, but he's not going to bring too much else. And Wes Wundu had it at a decent enough night. But i really impressed with what we saw from uh, from Copain there uh, with this team. On the uh, Hawks and, and Blazers game, there was not much happening for Atlanta. Trey Young was out, but the Wizard, Amari Spellman, had a great game. 25-3, and three, a steal and three triples. I don't love him, but he's he's been impressive in Summer League. Still, I don't think he's having much of an impact this season. I don't really rate him that highly, but he's been okay. Well, Alpha Carver also has been more impressive this year than last year. Nine boards, two steals, and a block in this game for uh, for Alpha, also a ripping name. On the Blazers side of things, Wade Baldwin the fourth, 15-6-8. Is he the backup point guard now on this team? 
Probably. With Shabazz Napier gone, he's been excellent. I do think that he still, at some point, has that top 100 upside. Probably not on Portland, but he is someone to pay attention to. Anthony Simons also looked great. Had 20 points in 19 minutes. A long-term dynasty guy to look at. Probably a few years away, but I can see him. He might jump ahead of Wade Baldwin. He might move into a, a larger role, but I've been very impressed with what he has done. Zach Collins provided the defensive numbers that we like from him. Two steals and two blocks in this game. We move on to Friday's action now. The uh, the Brooklyn Nets, just, just not a good team to look at. Tyler Davis had 19-7 and seven with two blocks, but he's not going to be an impactful guy in any sort of scenario. So very little to look at there with the Nets. On the Pacers side of things, Edmund Sumner, a guy that was recovering from knee injury, a knee injury most of last season, yeah, decent performance, 13 with five assists, two steals and a block. Tyreek, Oladipo, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Aaron Holiday, they're all in front of him. So it's a long road for Sumner to be an impactful guy. But he showed enough here to, to have a level of interest. Well, Elise Johnson had another strong rebounding game, 10 boards in his 23 minutes for the Pacers. The Knicks and the Pelicans, Mitchell Robinson was added again, 14 and 12 when five blocks in 19 minutes. Going to be a really high upside guy. Well, Daniel Achufu, uh, who played for the Wizards last season, had 22-8 and eight with a steal and a block, and it was good to see Damian Dotson do something positive with 15 points in 30 minutes. But you feel like he has is dropping off a little bit. On the Pelicans, someone by the name of Garland Green dropped in 23 points. Not much else happening there. A decent enough performance from uh, DJ Hogg with 16, but Tony Carr continues to struggle. Walt Lemon had his seven assists, and he was one of those guys who had decent numbers in the G League last season, especially with his ability to uh, distribute those assists. Let's look at the next uh, next group of games, the Washington Wizards and the Dallas Mavericks. Troy Brown had a bounce back, 25-6, and six, three assists, three steals. Again, showed a lot more here in Summer League than I anticipated from him. Hit two threes as well, and if he can get that going, then that really does add to his value. I'm still not massively in on Troy Brown, but but enough to get interested. Well, Thomas Bryant, you know how I'm big on this guy, 22-7, and seven, a steal and three blocks. It's not going to really happen this season. Dwight Howard's around, Mahinmi's around. But looking into the future, he can become a backup quality player. Think of a Kylo Quinn type of a guy, I think, for Thomas Bryant. I think he can find himself at that sort of value. If he gets 20 minutes, maybe he is a top 180 sort of a player. Definitely someone to pay attention to. Well, Devin Robinson is throwing down on fools left, right, and center. 13, 12, and 4, a triple one. I also have to give a quick shout out to to Wyan Kenley, who had six deals in this game, and I'll probably never say that name again in my life. On to the Mavericks side of things. Jalen Jones had 21 and 8, but then uh, he was waived from the, the team. Played for the Pelicans and the Mavericks last season. Yeah, good performance, but unlikely to see too much more out of him. While the golf ball Ray Spalding is showing flashes on this team that the, the Mavericks did sign Costas Adetokounmpo to a two-way deal, uh, meaning Spalding's unlikely to be on the team this season. And, and uh, Costas continues to bring the defensive numbers Deeper leagues, he could be a streamer for steals and blocks, but at this point, that's really all he is. The Spurs and the Suns, just an absolute killing from the Suns here. Amita Bremer had another big block game, but really very little else of interest on this Spurs team. Well, for the Suns, Shaq Harrison did it again. 13, 6, and 7, a steal, three blocks, and two triples. Man, I'm telling you now, if they go with him as a starting point guard, I'd, I'd take a fly on him as a late pick in fantasy leagues. The steals, the assists, he's doing, he's doing plenty. And there is a possibility that he does start over Brandon Knight just for that, uh, just for that defensive ability. Really impressive stuff. Alec Peters had a, a decent game, as did Devon Reed. 
Um, but yeah, DeAndre Ayton was uh, was out of action, and Dragon Bender continues to struggle. I'm really losing a lot of faith in Dragon Bender, unfortunately, because I have been a pretty decent supporter of him over the uh, over the journey. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Denver Nuggets. Isaiah Cousins had 12, 4, and 6 with three steals. He's not going to get any playing time on this team. While Kater Bates Diop had 14, 4, and 3 steal and a block. I've been very impressed with Bates Diop, as well as Josh Kogi, who did not play in this game. Bates Diop, again, he's just not going to see the floor. We know it's Tom Thibodeau. We know he's going to do shit that infuriates us consistently. And one of those is not give any minutes to anyone outside of his top eight players. But Bates Diop, long term, he's showing enough rebounding, steals, blocks. He's scoring. And he does have a, a relatively fantasy-friendly game in that respect, but finding the minutes is going to be the tough part there for him. On the Nuggets, a guy who I have touted fairly highly is Kendrick Williams, and he showed why here, finally, because he's been shit in the other games. 17-7 and seven with two steals and a block. The Nuggets, they do have an open roster spot. I imagine that's going to go to Monty Morris, but I could see Kendrick Williams moving into a two-way spot and just being someone to monitor for the coming seasons. Peter Corneli... Yeah, a guy who had a little bit of upside but hasn't really shown much in the French League or over here in Summer League for the last two seasons. The Magic and the Thunder, my, my man Troy Copain, 17-5-4, and four, a steal and a block, another strong performance from him, while Rodney Purvis dropped in 20 points. Again, this is a team without John Isaac, without Mo Bumba, so a lot of the uh, star potential was gone on the Thunder. Deontay Burton had 17, 8, and 5 with three steals and a block. And Terry Ferguson finally got stuff going, 14 points. Burton is an interesting type player. Um, can contribute in multiple areas. And maybe the Thunder look to get him in on a two-way contract. Just someone to pay attention to. Well, MC Hamadou Diallo had 12 and 6. And Devon Hall had 13 and 2. Uh, two of their second round picks from this past draft. Let's have a look at the uh, the rest of... Friday's action, the, the Kings and the Warriors. Zach August had 13 and 11 with three steals. He played well in Summer League last season for the Lakers, and the Kings are always looking for players who can do at least something, so maybe August would find a spot there. And Winyan Gabriel got a start and uh, showed a lot of athleticism. He is someone, again, deeper leagues. You want to pay a marginal level of attention to, but not too much. On the Warriors, Kendrick Nunn had 14 points, four steals, and five rebounds. I like Nunn. Of course, he's not going to be able to have much of an impact on this Warriors team that is stacked from top to bottom. And then the Hawks and the Clippers. Alpha Carver, 14 and 15 with two steals and four blocks. That's exciting. He was a guy that when he came into the draft, his statistical translations looked awesome. And then he sucked at some leg. What, what do we got here? But maybe, just maybe, as we look to the future, Alpha Carver could be an impactful guy. Now, he hasn't shown it in every game, but this is nice to see. And it's something to just... Keep in the back of your mind. Junior Robinson also dropped in 20 points, but I don't think we should be looking too much there. Although, getting into March, when shot chuckers can often get uh, spots on teams, shout out to the sexy boy Sean Kilpatrick, maybe Junior Robinson can be in that zone. For the Clippers, Jawan Evans had five assists and two steals. Jordan Matthews dropped in 18 points, but all of their main guys, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Jerome Robinson, didn't play, so very little to take out of this uh, action for the Clippers. Let's go on to Saturday's games, and I have to give another shout-out to my man Christian Wood. 27-12, and 12, a steal, five blocks. He was excellent, and his summer league has been absolutely superb. Just a, a really huge performance from Christian Wood, someone to really pay some attention to, who looks to have things sort of back on track after um, some off-court issues. Did really derail the early portion of his career. 
the Detroit uh, Bulls, the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls. Love what I've seen from Bruce Brown. 12, 8, and 4, two steals and two blocks. Shot horribly, 27% from the field. But his ability to pass is really encouraging. I, I like him higher than his draft slot for Dynasty Leagues. I might actually be a little bit higher on him than I am on Kyrie Thomas. He has been super impressive. Henry Allenson didn't shoot 30%, so that's a positive. 21 points on 15 shots. Still find it unlikely he's going to be too much of a contributor this season. But Bruce Brown's the guy I think that Pistons fans should be getting most excited about. On to the Bulls. The Block Panther, Wendell Carter Jr. Only six points on one of eight shooting, which is horrible. But still, 16 boards, one steal, two blocks. A legitimate top 100 chance for this season. Probably wouldn't take him there. I think he could actually be a top 70 guy if they roll with him 30 minutes per night from the outset. I don't know that they will. But if they do, he he has looked like the best, best big man at Summer League. I think that's fair to say. We'll get the opinions of Jacob and Jackson and Kyle over the next couple of days. But I've loved what we've seen from uh, the Block Panther. Chandler Hutchison, well, with Jabari Parker in town, he's not going to get a shot at that starting small forward job. 11-7, and seven, he's been okay. While Antonio Blakeney had 24 points in 31 minutes, he's basically a younger, less defensive version of Justin Holiday, and won't be finding those minutes in here with Jabari, with Levine, with Holiday, with all these guys around. But he's shown that he can score. He's also shown that he can shoot himself out of games pretty quickly. The Cavs and the Rockets, Colin Sexton, 17-6-3. Low assist, poor uh, shot selection is going to keep... Yeah, Sexton from being a top 100 player this season, as will the uh, presence of Jordan Clarkson and George Hill, unless the Cavs move those guys on. I, I don't, I'm not nowhere near as high on Sexton as what other people are. Billy Preston had a decent performance here, 12 and 6 in his 21 minutes. For the Rockets, Daniel House, uh, 30 points, 5 triples, 3 steals and 6 rebounds. I don't know that he makes this Rockets team, but potentially there's an opening for him. He was impressive at times for the Suns at the end of last season. So he is a name to watch. But the name I love here is DeAnthony Melton. 16, 10, and 7. Four steals and a block. The shooting has been much improved. That was a real near downside to his game. The defense is there. The rebounding is there. The steals, the assists, all this stuff. Does he slot in as the backup point guard behind Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon? Yes. But will Mike D'Antoni use more than three guards? Probably not. So that's going to limit him. But... As we move forward, if Eric Gordon leaves this team, if Chris Paul declines and gets hurt, DeAnthony Melton is a top 20 dynasty prospect and possibly, possibly a top 12 dynasty prospect from this group of players. And somehow he fell to pick 46 and I'll never understand why. Isaiah Hardenstein, 7-9, a steal and two blocks. I think he's probably two years away from being a rotational player, but I've been impressed with him. He is someone to keep in mind. High rebound rate. High steal and, and block rate for a big man, someone to pay uh, some attention to. I'm, I'm a pretty decent fan of Isaiah Hartenstein. Let's look at the next game, the Toronto Raptors and the Charlotte Hornets. Rolly Elkins is probably the uh, biggest name here. 25 and 11, strong performance from him, of course. If trades do go down with Toronto, maybe roster spots get opened and he can sign on. But at this point, he is unsigned. While uh, Malachi Richardson was okay, I don't believe in Richardson as an NBA player. Uh, have very little faith in him. On the Charlotte Hornets, Miles Bridges, 18 and 11 with four steals and a block and four assists. Shot horribly, 25%, 20 shots. Unlikely to be a standard league guy this season. I'd have him significantly below McCall Bridges, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, Zaire Smith, DRC. I think that he should be behind all of those players. But showing a little bit here, while well, Dwayne Bacon had 28 points, also took him 27 shots to get there, and he's never going to be getting those shots. 
one of Bridges or Bacon will be looking to move into the Trevion Graham role from last season. Um, and that's unlikely to be you know, too much of a fantasy contributor, but there is that opportunity there for them. The Heat and the Celtics, Derek Walton had 15 and 5, but as I mentioned, he has been uh, cut or rescinded the qualifying offer, unlikely to be back in Miami. Not much else really happening with the Heat here. And on the Celtics, we've still got the, uh, the Rock DJ. Rock DJ. Rob Williams, he's still out injured with a, an artery condition in his knees, also has lost his wallet twice. He just seems to be an absolute loose individual who really needs to get his shit together. The potential is there, but there's a reason he fell, and we've seen it already in the last three weeks why he fell as far as he did, because he's uh he just needs to get his shit together. It's as simple as that, and uh, not doing that at the moment. The Dancing Bear, Gershon Yabesle, had 12 and 10, while Pierre Henry, Henry, I don't even know. I've never heard of this guy. 15 and 5 with 5 assists, a decent performance, but pretty much everybody was out for the Celtics in that game. Let's have a look at the last action we're going to talk about here from Summer League. It was the Sixers and the Bucks. Furkan Korkmaz uh, was uh, was pretty strong for the for the um, for the Sixers there, nineteen and four. And Jonah Bolden had probably his best offensive performance, thirteen and eight, two steals and a block. Bolden will be on the Sixers roster this season, a chance to take on some of the Ursan Eliasova minutes. Although Nemanja Bjelica will be getting some of that. Um, into that mix with Amir Johnson, Rashawn Holmes in that front court. It's more one for the future for Bolden, but his ability to hit threes, get steals and blocks is useful in fantasy. DRC had eight and five in 25 minutes. He looks a long way from being a top 100 fantasy guy, and he is, but that potential is there. Talked about Christian Wood already for the Bucks. He was excellent. Sterling Brown had 15 and eight, another strong game from him. I'm expecting some pretty big things from uh, from Sterlo. Well, Dante DiVincenzo had just one point Two steals and a block. Eh, I get the feeling that might be a shit pick from the Bucks, but we, we see how that all pans out in the in the coming seasons. Um, let's have a look at the uh, the Grizzly side of things. Jaron Jackson only nine points, but nine boards, a steal, and seven blocks. He's real good. He's going to start, I'm pretty sure, this season. And Javon Carter had his second consecutive excellent game: twenty six, eight, and six with two steals and a block on fifty percent shooting. Could he easily be that backup point guard? Yes, probably won't be initially, but. I do have some some decent enough faith in uh, in Javon Carter and the Jazz. It was George Niang again, eighteen nine and five with a steal. Just continues to rack up numbers. Uh, Naz Mitru Long had fourteen points with five assists. He's someone that I talked about with the uh, G League guys, and he has signed a two way now with the Jazz. Also, of course, that's just deeper league considerations, but he is on an NBA roster now. So shout out to Naz Mitru Long for getting himself that contract. That will do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with Jacob Goldstein from Nylon Calculus, the inventor of the player impact plus minus statistic. We'll be talking about that and its dynasty implications and his thoughts on Summer League. Go and subscribe to this on YouTube by hitting the subscribe button below and also give me a thumbs up and leave a comment. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher and on Spotify. Leave a five-star rating and review. It always is a great help to me if you could do that. And make sure you check your emails for all the details on the Red Rock Challenge Leagues. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Marquise Chris.